Hello, I'm Phoebe. I'm Clancy. And I'm Damien. Now you might be asking, what do an Aussie and a POM have in common? Quite a lot, actually. For starters, Her Majesty has her face over all our currency. There's a great big Union Jack on all our flags as well. We do speak the same language. And we do love winding each other up. Yeah, because you guys can't play cricket. Well, you guys don't want to play us at cricket. That's the big difference. Let's get on with the show. We discuss current events in Australian politics. While on a mission to ensure the Governor General stays in their job. Let's save the, the Governor, Governor General. Do we want to? Do you want ScoMo as president instead? Oh, God, no. There you go. Let's save the Governor General. <laughs> Hello, my name is Damien. Hope you're all doing well. I'm joined once again by the lovely... Uh, who, who will I go for first? Um, since yeah, I'm got... lovely, but I'm not here, really. Well, <laughs> I'd say we, we joined by oh, lovely Chloe. Oh, hello, Cla Phoebe! We joined Phoebe's, by lovely Chloe, Phoebe's but I don't know who... wearing something very encompassing. I don't know who Chloe is. Um, is there a Chloe around? <laughs> Bloody old Chloe! Exactly, Chloe. So I'm going to I'm going to use the right name, Phoebe. Phoebe, welcome to the welcome to the to a regularly fortnight chat about Australian politics and <laughs> and other miscreants. Oh, thank you, Damo. Thank you, Damo. You're welcome. How are you, Damo? Oh my God! It's a very bogan name. Damo. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm doing, I'm doing very well. Damo, Damo, Clanto. Damo, Damo, and Clanto. There you go. That's it. There's a. There's a there's, we should have called it. Bojo that we chat about, you know. Oh, but let's go. And Putin. And possibly over the limit as we speak, Clancy. I well, probably am. I'm not driving anywhere. Okay, except except off uh, off a proverbial uh, upper upper proverbial wall. Well, you know, I did actually say to my friend today that I was not going to drink for the show tonight. Okay. I you pop pills instead. <laughs> pop pills instead. But in my defence... Snort a white powder. In No, I don't do that shit. But in my defence, yeah. I am on holidays. Because your cheeks are nice and red there, Clance. Yes, I know. Very, very I, am on the, I am on holidays. I went on holidays as of Saturday. Yesterday. Yesterday, yep. But... And I I did promise that I wasn't going to drink today, but I did. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, well, I apologize. If, if you can hold it together and if uh, Phoebe can't, uh, doesn't fall out of bed, uh, the first topic. Well, first <laughs> we'll topic fall out I'm... of something. Yeah, fall out of something. I don't know what she's wrapped in, but it looks very cozy. It does, it does. I'm, I'm jealous. Um, Are first... you cold? Are you cold, Phoebe? No, I'm nice and, I'm nice and toasty. She's, she's toasty. Okay, she's toasty. I'm, I'm I'm jelly. So the first You're thing, jelly, well, the first thing I wanted to discuss I was I'm toasty. Exactly. So uh, last week, uh, Q and A was uh, yeah. So not not the most recent Thursday, but Thursday before. Uh, excuse me for a minute. There's oh, someone yeah. racing up my street on a stupid bike. A stupid bike. All right. Yeah. So so anything under 500 cc. That's that stupid. Oh, there's a few stupid people here. Oh, there are indeed. So anyway, uh, Stan Grant decided to kick a pro-Russian audience member out of his uh, out of uh, out of the audience because he asked this very impertinent question. So, as someone who comes from the Russian community here in Australia, I've been pretty outraged by the narrative created by our media depicting the Ukraine as the good guy and Russia as 
the bad guy. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Russians here and around the world that support what Putin uh, is doing in the Ukraine, myself included. Uh, since 2014, uh, the Ukrainian government, together with Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, have besieged the Russian populations in the Donbass, killing an estimated 13,000 people. And I'm then just wondering that, what the Azov Battalion is. Do yeah, we know? Just, well, uh, before we get into that, I'll play uh, Stan Grant's very uh, controversial reaction. Earlier about Russia, and it's been playing on my mind. And Sasha, people here have been talking about family who are suffering and people are dying. And I understand you wanted to ask your question about is there some reasoning for this, but you supported what's happening, hearing that people are dying. And can I just say I'm just not comfortable with you being here? Could, could you please leave? I've, I've been... It's really... No, Sasha, I'm sorry. You, you, you can ask a question. You can ask a question, but we cannot advocate violence. I should have asked you to leave then. It's been playing on my mind, and I'm sorry, but I have to ask you to leave. Please. All right, and that has, uh, that little thing has garnered more attention for Q&A in the last week than anything else <laughs> that Stan Grant has done as host of Q&A. Well, you've got to boost the rating somehow. Indeed, indeed. Uh, w without taking clothes off, that, that might be the, uh, the, 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 the limit. Hey, I've got clothes on, I'll have you know. I'm wearing clothes, okay, damn it. but this is a podcast, so they can't see, they can't see your, your bra anyway. Or mine, Bruh. for that matter. <clears throat> TMI? Okay. But no. I don't know, I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. Uh, in, in me not wearing it, like you can't see my bra? Well, both of you. Oh, okay, sorry. That's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best you know, to I'm, e you. I'm equal opportunity with Nathan. <laughs> okay, that's... Fair enough. But was Stan Grant right to kick uh, this uh, this gentleman named Sasha out of the audience for expressing a pro-Russian position? I sort of I sort of agree in a sense with the position that everyone has the right to express their their view and their political view but at the same time if he's promulgating hate speech there's a fine line there it's really it's really difficult to actually judge that and I understand uh, why he why he kicked him out because okay. he was afraid that he was going to go over that line okay but one thing to keep in mind was that it was only about 20 minutes later when the conversation had moved on to numerous other topics that Stan Grant actually did finally uh, have him removed by security mm. so that kind of you know it's well, he probably didn't realise at the time either how much he was saying. Too. Yeah, okay, but the fact that he was able to like stand there for like host a show for twenty minutes and nothing else had happened, I think if I think so, well, see, Phoebe, I'll let you say because you said in our pre-show chat you said a few interesting things about the about the position that this Sasha fellow had. So you want to give your opinion on that? So. I'm all for people being able to say certain things in certain contexts, and particularly in this context, as this is a television show which is dedicated to free speech, political discord, etc. Mm -hmm. But what the unfortunate gentleman did was he pushed a debunked and discredited 
narrative being used by Vladimir Putin to excuse his direct aggressive invasion of a neighboring democratic and free society for no real reason uh-huh. other than Vladimir Putin wants to. 13,000 um, murdered in the Donbass by the Azov Brigade uh-huh. is a discredited conspiracy theory pushed by Vladimir Putin. Yes, during the Euromaidan, there were right-wing groups and neo-Nazi groups associated with that. What this gentleman is trying to say is that Petro Poroshenko and Vladimir Zelensky are both war criminals mm. that are trying to um, ethnically cleanse the Russian population in the Donbass. What actually happened in 2014 was that Russia illegally annexed the Crimea by invading a part of another country next door to it because it said we want that little piece of land because we don't want you having access to the Black Sea because we don't like you having access to the Black Sea. And then it said, well, these two regions that that have got lots of Russian in them, we're going to give those regions lots of money. We're going to give those regions lots of... Um, weapons. I'm actually going to put some Russian mercenaries in there so that they can fight the Ukrainian army so that we can destabilize a neighboring country like we did in um, Georgia with the uh, Abkhazia and South Ossetian regions and like we have been doing in Transnistria in Moldova which is one of the reasons why he has invaded the Ukraine so that he can link up with Transnistria so Mm. that he can also annex a little bit of Moldova oh and he's also been getting himself in the Ngorno-Karabakh Arkash which is the new name for Ngorno-Karabakh in Armenia um, conflict with Azerbaijan so Vladimir Putin is very well versed in sticking his oar in little countries all around him that were former Soviet countries that he can keep destabilizing them so that he can then justify his nice war of aggression in Georgia which the world really should have condemned in Lohar so that he can keep sticking his oar in in Kazakhstan as he did when Kazakhstan said could you please have Russian peacekeepers in because once you get Russian peacekeepers in you don't get rid of them very easily no. see the wonders of uh, Russian peacekeepers as we're saying in Syria so once you have Vlad and his tanks in your city centre you ain't getting rid of them very easily which is why what that gentleman said was quite so abhorrent because what he is saying is yeah uh, wars of aggression just because and wars of aggression in Europe are fine if there is some justification for it. It's very nice for a man sitting on an island about 13,000 kilometers away from what's actually happening, going, yeah, invading another country is fine. As somebody who lives in Europe, who is actually quite worried about the Chernobyl nuclear power plant going Mm, boom at some point, it has a different ring to me when I hear someone go, yeah, wars are fine. Especially when there well, was... This one is justified, is what he's saying, is because, you know, Russians have been killed, Russians have been killed in the eastern parts of, of Ukraine. Therefore, Putin has the right to invade all of Ukraine to stop what's happening in the east. So it was fine for Viktor Yanukovych to lock up his... Um, presidential election opponent just because he didn't like her. And then the people went, excuse me, we don't like you doing that. We don't want to be under a kleptocracy. Mm. And then during the 
protests, the then president ordered riot police and the army to shoot at people. Classy. Shoot at people. And then Vlad used that as an excuse to invade the Crimea and invade the Donbass. Great. So saying 13,000 Russians completely ignores that Vladimir Putin has been sticking his oar in Belarus, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Syria, and Ukraine for far too long, Mm -hmm. and he has gone over the edge, and Europe is about 15 minutes away from World War III starting, and it was also one of the most dangerous things I have ever woken up to on my television screen was Russian troops shell Europe's largest nuclear power plant with artillery. Look, I think it's fairly clear that Putin is a dictator. He's an autocratic dictator. Yep. And who's basically trying to... He's trying to make Russia great again. Well, he's trying to make Russia the dominant power in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes it great. I don't think it actually does. Well, but that's yes. what he's trying to do. He's trying to make it the autocratic yep. dominant dominant power in the in in the whole global economy and in yeah, the world. But I also I don't think, think that also, actually holds him in very good stead. Well, uh, well, if um, not many people like uh, Xi Jinping from China as well, and no. he he doesn't seem to take any notice of uh, what. But I think from my perspective, the biggest reason why Russia has done what it's done is to stop Ukraine from going to the West. If Ukraine goes to the West, especially if it joins NATO uh, and or the EU, that will basically, uh, from my from my understanding, that will then cause the other uh, Russian state, ex, ex-Soviet states to go, well, look, if these guys are going to the West... There. But they're going to, and they already have, so it's like it's a pointless exercise. Well, no, I know Estonia already has, but I think um, with Estonia, this one, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Hungary, yeah, all, all the ones that don't matter. All the ones that don't matter. It's it's the one they with the black sea port though. that matters they the most. They mass, they matter, and they, and that's the point. Is Ukraine is a quite a large economic centre mm. for that yep. whole region. They obviously have a lot of resources <laughs> and you know power in that sense where they've got you know though i think they're one of the biggest producers of uranium mm-hmm. and certain different minerals and yep, yep. agriculture and things like that they so are obviously the basket of europe exactly but so obviously the... that's the reason that russia is trying to retain them or overtake them yep but you know, it's like, well, they don't want to be overtaken, so really go fuck Russia. But that's the point. Russia's like, well, we want to okay. be the dominant power in the area, and we we just want to put our stamp on it. Mm. But was Stan Grant what right? To... Okay, you first, baby. You first. Just as a, just as a, just to, just for putting Australian spin on this, what's been happening in the Donbass is the same as New Zealand saying we don't like the current government and 
that government was being propped up by the government of Australia. And the people of New Zealand have gone, look, we don't like them. And they've protested and they've run them out of office. And then on the North Island, the Australian government has gone, we will start funding rebels who are ethnically Australian there. Mm. And we will then start blaming the New Zealanders for it. That's a very interesting That's way what he that. has done. Yes. But do we keep and a he's guy... now using that as an excuse to mm. invade the rest of New Zealand. Yes. So, so we get so, so so. Also, we're all we're all in agreement that what Putin is doing in Russia has no, I suppose, no moral or uh, you know, no, no moral justification. But there's, the question there's but, no moral justification yeah, for any but, moral, Sorry. Well, but it was was a TV show host right to kick a guy out of a TV studio? for asking a very pointy question well that depends on how you think it was relevant i don't think it was relevant because it was promulgating an idea that war was justified and war is never justified okay but is that is that worth kicking someone out of a tv studio because yeah, so i cause, actually think it up okay I actually because think i think is, the whole thing about q and a justifying hate speech but the whole thing about Q and A is that all these different opinions can come together, and as long as there's no actual violence uh, happening, because actually I think there's one time when someone threw threw a couple of shoes at John Howard, and that that guy. Well, that was think, just fine. Oh, oh, hey, hey! That's, I'm sorry, uh, that was completely just. No, in what way? In what way? So you can't. So, so a guy who who promotes a you know a discredited uh, theory that does get kicked out. So sorry. Um, how can I say? I'm sorry. Throwing. Throwing a shoe at John Howard is really not comparison to justifying the war in Ukraine. No, really well, isn't it? Well, hold on. But so is is so you're saying that there's some actions of personal political violence that are okay. well, that was just funny. Personal political violence is never justified because John Howard, at the end of the day, whilst you may dislike him, he is still a man at the end of the day. Maybe a very distasteful man, but you, we can't allow violence into the political discourse. Because where does it then stop? Do I then have the right to walk up to Pauline Hanson and slap around the face a few times as much as I'd like to do that? Or headbutt. Headbutt. Tony Abbott. Or uh, Egg <laughs> Fraser Anning. You know, I think. Well, I have a point. Yeah, so no, I, I just think. Uh, it, it just, but to me, no, but to me, it just seemed that Stan Grant had his feelings hurt, and it's like you, you, I need you to get out of the studio because you're making me uncomfortable. Please, please go. Oh, I don't actually think it was as simple as that. I think he was trying to to head off the revolution. I think he oh, was okay. worried that it was going to set something else off that he wouldn't be able to control later. Um, but but the things are but well hold on if he, I'd agree with that if he kicked him out as soon as he asked the question. But the problem is he only, he only did it twenty minutes later when the conversation was completely completely yeah, or something else. He obviously got feedback from you know from the, the, the powers that be. Yeah, the powers that be. Excuse me. Do we have to? Do we have to excuse you, yeah. baby? I don't excuse you. You can say whatever you like, yeah, and just, I'm not going to just jump in. Oh, were you going to, were you going to jump in, Phoebe? Baby's on plus now. She's like, I don't know what to say now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, look, <laughs> um, so recently we've had a couple of uh, big high-profile deaths as well. Uh, one that's not related to politics was, uh, unfortunately, Shane Warne. The, uh, unfortunately? Uh, not, not, related, not related to politics. 
is what I was going to no, say. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking question with the unfortunately comment. The oh, man is myself. 54, excuse me. That's no, he's 52. No, he's 54. Oh, it doesn't matter. 52. I'm... 52. Well, I, either way, you know, he did leave behind uh, kids and, uh, and, and a legacy. Um, but apparently, before he uh, passed away, he was apparently on a fad diet. Was what I uh, was what I heard. I'm sure he was on lots of fad diets. Well, possibly, but um, but Do then you think uh, it was related to his receding hairline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, it was a bit bit too soon. But then, uh, probably the, the bigger one in terms of politics was the passing of Victorian ALP Senator uh, Kimberly Kitching. Who, that was actually quite shocking because she was, yeah. She yes. was not well known and she was relatively young and it was a bit mm -hmm. scary. She was driving between meetings evidently and felt yes. unwell and pulled over to the side of the road and yep. called, uh, she her called her husband. She called, yeah, exactly. So she called her husband and uh, by the time the, the ambulance got to her, she'd already uh, unfortunately deceased. Gone. But the, the backstory to that was that she was facing a, uh, facing a pre-selection battle um, mm. Apparently, the uh, one of the union bosses. Now, I had this in my notes. Let's see if I can find if I can find it. Uh, one of the union bosses had confirmed that the okay March, Kimberly Kitching. Which one? Uh, so Earl Setchers had come out and said that his union and the the local branch had categorically not put her up for pre-selection. And there was also talk that she was bullied and ostracised uh, in her own party as well because she was seen as one of Bill Shorten's people, whereas now Anthony Albanese is in, is in charge. And from what I've read, part of the problem goes to goes down to the Adam Somirek scandal. Because of the Adam Somirek scandal, the local Victorian branch has had its power stripped and all the voting rights have gone to the federal, uh, to the federal body, which is run by... Anthony Albanese, who's trying to put his stamp on on the party, and in some aspects get rid of Bill Shorten's Bill Shorten's mates, and mm. Bill, Bill Shorten actually came out um, the day after it was announced that uh, Ms. Kitching had died, and he he said something very telling in that maybe it was better off if she never went near politics. Well, she yeah, as you said, she was a Bill Shorten favourite. Mm. I think, uh, and I actually thought she was okay. I've, I've I've heard her name around, and I thought she actually she like you know I don't. She have was well a... respected, as far as I'm yeah. aware. Yeah, exactly. And, a... and she was a solicitor, I think. Is that she... right? Oh, what sorry? She was a solicitor. She was. Yes. I think she had, she had a law degree anyway. Yeah, yeah. She's she's eminently qualified. I thought. Yeah. You know, I yeah. had no problems with her with her qualifications or anything. I thought she was eminently eminently qualified. But yeah. It, so it seems to be this uh, power play between Bill and 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 Anthony, yeah. That has uh, caused um, well, I suppose it is conjecture that the stress of the pre-selection battle, and apparently she did have uh, other underlying health issues as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a bit disturbing that she did die in the way that she mm, did yes indeed it sounds it sounds like too that she was definitely a favorite for the election mm -hmm. um and she was part of the i think she was part of the right wing of the victorian yes yeah so she was definitely a favorite for for the election yeah um she was one of bill shorten's tagged people um i i just think it's a tragic 
it's a tragic thing. Like, and you know, I, as you know, I'm not necessarily in favour of right wing politics in the oh. Labor Party. Or to well, actually, I, I will put. Well, I think in 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 the LP, left and right are just names of groups. I don't think they well, necessarily they are. subscribe. They are. You know, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Whoa, Jen. I got that recorded. You actually agree with me? Yeah, no, I don't. The part I always disagreed with in the Labor Party was that they factionalised things so badly. Yes, Episcopal New South Wales. It was so divided in that sense. And I was Mm. like, well, we're all on the side side of social justice Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't really be divided that cleanly between right and left. Um. I think the Liberal Party is right and the the Labor Party should be left and we shouldn't mm. be further dividing each of them. And then in the Liberal Party, you've got, you know, moderate and then... Yeah, absolutely. Ex- extreme but, right, you yeah. know, I mean, you've got far right who are fucking, you know, national... Don't forget to throw in the country party. <laughs> country party. Well, that's exactly what I mean, Phoebe. Oh, so actually, got I've, I've, got a talk, I've got a talking point about that actually, which I might bring up later on if we if we have time. Um, you your talking points. Don't I you? know, I know. It's it's the joys of being a host of a podcast about politics. You know, so if you want to do the dirty work and do the homework and get all these talking points together, Clancy, feel free to you know like stop one drinking. Of the, one of these days, I'll actually do that. Hey, I love you too. Uh, okay, before we get into uh, what I what I will say, what I will say on this is it does raise a very person point being a politician of any color Mm. is very stressful Mm. so what are the workplace protections put in place for people because remember at the end of the day they are people they are yes who sacrifice a lot to actually go hang on are you actually okay what is the screening like for health conditions that are related to stress because are these people considered just people that the Australian Parliament have no duty to see the scandal that we've currently been uh, uncovering about just how toxic the workplace was for females there or does the Australian Parliament actually owe some form of duty to them to actually go hang on we need to make sure that these people are actually healthy and that when they okay. do leave here, because at the end of the day, it is just a job. Yes. You're married to the job. Some people can't stand the job. Some people are in it for the wrong reasons. Some people are in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. That's irrelevant. But it is a job, and they are humans. Indeed. Even Pauline Hanson, even Clive Palmer get that designation. Yes, they are humans and deserve all these things. So where does the Australian Parliament's duty to ensure that there is a healthy person behind the politician go? Do they have any stress-relieving activities? Do they have any ways of going, excuse me, if you're under stress, please go here? Get a hug. I mean, you, you laugh at you laugh at puppies, but that's no, not I an outstanding thing to actually go. Well, hello. Mm. Parliamentary well, puppy I, service. I, I agree. I agree with Phoebe here. Up until very, very recently, it was a basically suck it up and take it attitude. Mm, yep. Especially for the women, it was like, well, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. You know, and I definitely, <laughs> Phoebe, really. <laughs> anyway this was part of it was part of the attitude mm. that 
you had to deal with it and if you couldn't deal with it you were not strong enough to be in the system part of the reason why i did not continue with politics because i realized that it was a dog eat dog thing and it was all about who had the power and who had the ability to manipulate that power and at the stage that I got into politics, I didn't think that I had that capacity. And so I didn't do it. Okay. Because I was not a person that felt that I could tear other people limb from limb just on a point of political difference. Yeah, that's... Damien, you're in the shadows. Yes. because There you go. How's, how's that? How's that? Um, I... Damien, have you seen the light? Oh, don't say that, Phoebe. I have it. I have oh, it. Oh, just appeared. Okay. <laughs> I actually, I, I get where Phoebe's coming from, but I think the bigger I problem... I get where Phoebe's coming from too. Yes. The bigger problem, though, is more the party politics rather than the parliamentary uh, the parliamentary stuff. So... Well, I, I the, part, the party politics is pretty cutthroat. And yes. having been in the, in the Labor Party and having been a subject of party politics, even at the early stages where people were going, who the fuck is this woman, Clancy? Why are we, why is she in a position of relative power? Because I was, you know, president of the branch. And why is her uncle were writing for Quadrant? Exactly. Well, you know, no one knew that at the time. But it was sort of like, who is this young woman who's, you know, suddenly been made president of the branch? Yep. And... No one knew me, but I also didn't know anyone else. Like no one had actually wooed me at that stage. Oh, that's... And it was quite it, weird. It, it is. It, it, was... it does remind me of when I ran, a, a, when I was chairman of a branch of a political party in the UK, and you got very weird alliances formed below you. The mm. raving monster lunatic that party? Were... Say again? The raving monster lunatic party? No, it was the Liberal Democrats. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they just well be as nuts as that. Okay, okay. all right. But, <laughs> but what you do have is you have these people that are clearly there for a career and the mm. people who are clearly there because they want to do it for the right reasons. And then you've got people who are there just because they don't realise they're, why they're there anymore and they just go, oh, how did I end up here? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm married to somebody who's in this or my mate was here and they've now left and I'm still here. It's like, well, what's going on? And you do get very odd things going on. The current resident of Downing Street, 10 Downing Street uh, included. Well, this is very true. Mm. So, look, I had a couple of very interesting conversations when I was a member of the ALP because they were obviously on the path of recruiting young up-and-coming women to the ALP when I became a member and I'd been voted in as the president of the branch that I was in really purely by accident because it was in the middle of the war in the former Yugoslavia and most of the members of our branch were Serbs and Croatians so they wanted somebody who wasn't, wasn't either Serb or Croat 
pretty much. And I sort of joined the branch during that period of time. And they were like, we have this young woman who's not a Serb and she's not a Croatian. She's not aligned to either faction. Let's vote her in as president nice. and she can be impartial. I didn't realise that at the time, obviously. I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll put my hand up. Um, I mean, it worked out in a sense, but at the same time, the powers that be were like, well, who's this young woman that's suddenly become president of this branch and she's literally just walked into the role? I mean, I was only 18, 19 at the time. Wow, okay. Quite bizarre. Yeah, I was literally, I think I was the youngest branch president in history. Put that in your resume. I had no idea, of course. I was just like, yep. Whatever you know, do, do you feel up. do you feel tokenized by that? Oh, I was completely tokenized, okay. but it was also just after Nastasha Scott Despoja became uh, one Democrat. of the first, yeah, Democrat. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for young women, basically, to be tokenized. Okay, that's that, that was part. Of, that was part of it. So okay. I then, not long after that, I got asked to run as the um, women's officer for the student representative council at my university okay. at Wollongong Uni. Pre- pretty much because the woman that they'd selected before that had had a nerves breakdown. Oh. So that's a the great woman who was running, yeah, yeah. So the woman who was running for the president heard about me through another member of the ALP. Mm-hmm. Her partner happened to be the office manager for the, the Speaker of the House at the time, Stephen Martin. Okay. And they'd actually been spying on me at my branch, <laughs> trying to work out why I'd been invited in. So they asked if I would run for women's officer. I got okay. the highest number of votes of anyone else in my party, funnily enough. Okay. Didn't still didn't win, but got the highest number of votes. Okay. And then the woman who actually ran as president, who didn't get in, then decided to run for state seat for Wollongong. She asked if I would be her campaign manager. Ooh, yeah. Which I was happy to do. I I liked her. I thought she was a great candidate, but she was right wing. And I was like, "Yep, I'll be your, I'll be your campaign manager, no mm-hmm. problem, whatsoever." I got a phone call from the state um, executive, okay, yeah, saying, "Oh, we've heard that you have been asked to be the campaign manager for such and such." Yeah, we would actually like you to run. <sighs> wow! And I was like, "Well, I'm about to go to." start my career as a nurse next year and I don't think this is <laughs> yeah. something that I want to do. Okay. So I could have I could have legitimately been in politics. Yeah, and you could have t- you, you could have told us tales from inside. <laughs> I really could have. But at the same time I was pretty Would you have won the seat? Well, no, I actually think I might have had a good chance at it, baby. This is the thing. Because I was relatively unknown and I was a young female nursing student. Mm-hmm. So I had a fairly good profile because no one actually knew who the fuck I was. Um, I probably would have had a good shot at it. But at the same time, I was like, I was about to start my career mm-hmm. 
as a nurse, I didn't want to necessarily disrupt that. And I didn't know that I would actually make it in politics. So I was like, well, you know, on one hand, I've got this, I know that I'm going to be a nurse. And on the other hand, I don't know that I'm going to be a politician. Oh, yeah. So, so you, that, you're, that you're more happy to help out. You're more happy yeah. to help out behind the scenes rather than be the be the face. Yeah, that's right. But okay. at the same time, I also had that um, that name that name recognition that you mentioned earlier because my uncle was well known in political circles, mm. and he was. Was this before a, he went to Quadrant? No, he did. Well, I think he might have been at Quadrant already, okay. but he'd already he'd already run for the um, council at Leichhardt City I, Council, and yeah. actually tried to secede from Leichhardt City Council at that stage. Okay, but he'd he'd been an advisor to um, Bill Hayden in the Gough Whitlam government oh, before that. That's uh, gone, but gone back yeah. uh, definitely a few decades, few decades. A few decades before that. So he was already well-known in those okay. circles. So Bill Hayden, Gough Whitlam, Paul Keating knew him quite well. Paul okay. Keating made a very nasty comment about him when he died. That a- sounds a lot like Paul Keating. Yeah. So, that, so I, I had there would have been that name recognition, but I would have been setting myself up in opposition to that too because he was yep. right-wing and I wasn't. Yep. Um, and I just sort of went, I don't know if I want to put myself in this position because I'll be taken down. Yeah. And that's probably like you saying that I have, I have toyed with the idea of possibly entering politics myself. Um, there's a part of me that did that the, a couple of council elections ago was uh, seriously weighing up whether to, to go, go ahead with it um unfortunately even in my local council area it is starting to turn a little, a little bit into a blood sport mm. and it's like mm, yeah I don't, I don't know do i do i want to spend time with the kids and helping helping them out or do i want to you know have to fight and jostle and uh, yeah all, all that kind of stuff but yeah it's and then, look this brings us to a very good point of why people get into politics and why people don't continue in politics. Yep. And why and why a lot of women don't continue in politics. Part of it is this whole one up and shit thing. Yep. You know? Well, I, th- I, think, in- I think it was said I think it was said that in politics your your opponents are in front of you and your enemies are behind you. Well, you're fair game. Mm. That's the thing. If you put your name up for any sort of political office, you're fair game. Mm. And people will dig dirt on you. Yep. And they will throw shit at you. And that's part of the problem is that it doesn't matter what you've done in your past and how much good you've done in your past, they will dig up the shit. A scandal is a scandal is a scandal. A scandal. But my point is too is that a scandal is only a scandal if you deny that it's true. (laughs) So if you own up to stuff and say, yes, I did this like and I'm Barnaby, really, really Barnaby sorry. Barnaby is a campaign manager, yeah. It'll probably go away. Mm. But if you try and deny it and it's true, then you're probably a lost a lost cause. And this is, this is the thing with a lot of Australian politicians at the moment and also, you know, people like ScoMo because or, – or, or our friend, you know, the Prime Minister of – the you know great britain is that they they just take it and ignore it and it's like whoop-de-doo i did this so so what you know 
I'm just going to take it now. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of uh, taking it and doing nothing about it, uh, recently the uh, the I Northern... I hope this next article doesn't... I hope this next section we don't sink. No, don't no. Sink. I, I hope we keep it afloat because... So recently... We need to keep the, our head above water here. The northern parts of New South I'm Wales... I'm done paddling! I'm done paddling! I'm done paddling! What am I the northern parts of New South Wales and the southern parts of Queensland have been subjected to, I think I think they called it once in 500-year flooding, uh, not too long afterwards, one in 100-year flooding. So basically a, a shitload of water might be the best way of putting it. Um, and just like uh, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison didn't uh, do during the 2019 bushfires, uh, he has apparently gone, uh, well, he's been accused of going missing uh, again. And this is from... Uh, seven news from, uh, from lo local residents. Here we go. Yeah, it's absolutely too late. It's, what, seven days in, eight days in, nine days in. It feels like a month. Um, people have been on the ground doing this themselves. It's been community, helping community, community that were on roofs, community that have nowhere to go. People need to know where they're going to live. They need to know how they're going to move forward and it needs needs to happen now. They need more than a $1,000 disaster payment. They need to rebuild their lives. A lot of those people were people that already were living in floodplains that didn't have insurance. How are they going to rebuild? It's the poor people that live in what we call affordable housing in the most sensitive and vulnerable areas because of climate change. What's the army done to help? I actually saw my first army person today. I live in South Lismore. When I had to leave my house, the water was neck height. I was rescued by a person from Ballina. There was no SES people to be seen. We're in our roof for over six hours and there is horrible stories of people being on their roof for 12 plus hours. The elderly, the disabled, like we were completely left high and not dry at all. Yeah, the army has been like, you know, when you're doing the dishes, they're like the kids that go to the toilet and they come out when the dishes are done. We'll see them when everyone else has done the heavy lifting. We need more help. We need the army to get in there and help the vulnerable, the old, the elderly and the, and, and the people at risk. Really too late. Really too late. That is possibly one of the most Australian references ever to someone not doing their job. <laughs> Just like the kids, when you've done the dishes, they come in and... Say good job, well done. They go yep. to the toilet and it's like they come out afterwards. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But this there raises... Is this raises... that always annoys me. There's something yep. that always annoys me when I see these kinds of videos is that these immaculately made out signs are always there. Because that's what that says to me, that you're making political high out of it <sighs> and you look like a moron. <laughs> True. But it is interesting that if um no, I just won't, won't go there. But no, it's uh, so the general commentary is that uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison hasn't. Uh, what did he not do? He didn't declare an emergency soon enough. Uh, is, is apparently part of it. He didn't declare an emergency at all until he was, you know, oi. Until he got back oi. from Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, then the army have, uh, yeah, as as these two ladies have said, the army have been nowhere nowhere to be seen. And I was uh, being listened to um, the radio uh, last few days where um, they're talking about insurance companies not providing insurance anymore for people in these kind of areas as well. So that would be a 
which is kind of uh, one of the that probably the death knell of uh, parts of those towns. You know, so that's a bit of a bit of a shame. Well, what are your, that's, that's what are your thoughts? That's been talked about for a while, though. That's been talked about since the bushfires too. Okay. A lot of the insurance companies are like this area is uninsurable. We're just yeah. not going to insure them anymore. And the previous floods in when was it two thousand eleven or something? Mm. They were saying the same sort of thing, and it's like, well, this is the point. This is why we have insurance. Yep. Is so that if something like this happens, then you will rebuild us. Like, indeed, you know? indeed, indeed. But exactly. um, so, what are your thoughts about the prime minister's response? Well, I think he definitely neglected to call in help when he should have helped. Okay. Well, why do you say that? Well. I mean, it was pretty obvious from day one or two that things were getting but shit was going dire. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that shit was going down, and that the emergency services were already overwhelmed. Uh-huh. And it would have it. There should have been some sort of a contingency that if something like this was going to happen, that it should have just been an automatic thing. Mm. And I mean, I've worked in emergency uh, management. And I know that there are contingencies for this sort of thing, okay. and it should have just been an automatic thing. I'm very surprised that it wasn't. Okay, because uh, just reading It must from... have been deliberate. Okay, just reading from, uh, there was, uh, I think, uh, Scott Morrison had an interview with uh, Channel 9 political editor Chris Ullman uh, earlier before, and part of what he said was, uh, we need the community response. That is the first response, because the community is always going to be the first ones no. there. To no, deploy, I'm sorry. Hold on, wait, wait. To deploy nationally positioned forces around the country and mobilize them with the country and mobilize them with the equipment and the heavy and the heavy equipment and the supplying and the and the provisioning, you can't just turn that off and on. You can though. That's the point of having contingency plans and having emergency plans. Community responses should be second wave, not first wave. Okay. It's... I'm sorry. But this this should be a first wave thing is you should have, okay, we have a nationally recognised emergency response. Mm-hmm. This yep. is the steps that they should be taking to, you know, basically save people's lives. Okay. But this is the, the thing. Community like, like, like this, response isn't like, after that happens. Well, I was going to say, like, this isn't like somewhere in outback Western Australia where no. there's hardly any floods. This no. is the eastern seaboard of Australia, and particularly in the very in the fairly tropical areas of northern New South Wales slash southern Queensland, where it's almost you can almost set your clock to to a flood or a bushfire or something happening. Well, that's the, that's the point is that this was not an unforeseeable circumstance. Mm. This is a perfectly recognised risk. Mm. They should have had these contingency plans in place. I did an emergency training program 15 years ago when I worked in the the public health unit in New South Wales that yep. talked about how we plan for these things. This is not something that they have not planned for. It's just that something they haven't provisioned. Okay, for. so is That's it the difference? Is it uh, incompetence or malice? It's incompetence. Okay, because it I does... don't think it's malice. <laughs> Malice implies that he actually knows what he's doing in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it's incompetence. I think that, uh, it's a combination of 
one government has planned for it and the next government just hasn't bothered. Okay, like so I, that's I would, part I, of it. I would be a bit more dim on it if it was like a Labor state with a uh, with a, no, a it's liberal a federal thing. It's not yeah. a it's not a state thing. No, it's no, but okay. Thing. But what I'm saying is like if it was a federal like if it was like a federal liberal government but with a state Labor government because I know between Dan Andrews and Scott Morrison there has been a bit of dick swinging. And yeah. you know, there's a, there's a few there's a few stalemates about that. So you would have thought that with a um, a deeply liberal, deeply conservative uh, premier, <laughs> that yeah. you know, a bit, a bit... part part of the problem. Part of the problem, though, is there's this um, delineation between state-controlled emergency resources and federal-controlled emergency resources. Yes. So anything that's to do with the army or the reserves is federal. Indeed, yes. Anything that's to do with the police and state emergency services... Is, is state. Right, okay. Yeah. So they can only do what they can do as far as the states have resource. Now, from what I understand, they did as much as they could as far as the state's resource. Yep, yep. But from a federal point of view, they can't call in the army. They can't call in the reserves. Yep. Okay. That is a federal thing. Yep. So when, for instance, I worked for the uh, public health unit in New South Wales, they send off a lot of our staff to do um, pandemic preparedness. Okay? okay. This is quite interesting, actually, because this was back in 2006, 2007, uh-huh. and they had a pandemic preparedness plan that each state public health uh, department actually prepared for and then the federal government went no we don't need that <laughs> so, guess what happened in 2019 uh, yeah exactly yes. we didn't have it anymore because they basically defunded it shit went down shit went down it um, went down yeah so it's just saying and the other thing, other part I wanted to talk about was the uh, federal grants uh, as well now apparently the way federal grants are handed out is by local government area and so if you happen to be just outside of a local government area, then, you know, you don't quite get as much money as a local government area that has, uh, I forget exactly what it is, but I think you, you, your LGA has to be declared a hotspot or a, or a special disaster, disaster zone or something to get over and above what uh, you would normally get. And so the, there's people who are just outside of this, these particular LGAs that are also suffering, that have also experienced floods, though not quite as severe as what's happened in Lismore. So the people in Lismore have got you know some cash, but people outside haven't quite got as much and so you have this you then have this disparity again between uh, all ba- all based on political decisions yeah well that's so. the thing is it it's not equitable it's it's not people are not getting the same things no. in different areas they're not you know they might put their hand up and go hey we've got a need for whatever this payment is yep but if they live in a slightly different area that has different requirements. They're not going to get that same payout or whatever it happens to be, the same assistance. Mm, indeed. It's, a, it's literally not fair. No, I'll agree. Uh, speaking of uh, incompetence in emergency management, uh, Phoebe, you wanted to discuss the ending of COVID restrictions. Mm-hmm. Or the, or the, 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 very, the very high watering down of them. 
Well, aren't we? Aren't I wonderful to come from a country which doesn't have any COVID restrictions anymore? None at all. You in guys the UK are free in so, England. So what happens when you get COVID? Freedom! Freedom! To, freedom so, so, Phoebe, what happens when you get COVID in England? Heart's content. Freedom but comes yes, freedom to responsibilities. So, Phoebe, Phoebe, if I turn up and go, <coughs> and I've got, I've got COVID, what do I do? In England, nothing. Ah, puppy! Doggy! Um, here's Sam Whittle on the podcast. So not nothing whatsoever. I could, like, you know, I, I could have COVID. I could walk into a hospital to see my, you know, to see my gran. <coughs> yep. <laughs> yep. They might ask you, excuse me, are you okay? And say, we don't I'm like this. I'm feeling fine. People, but... <coughs> yeah, just a, just a sore throat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that would be fine. Yeah. I'm not about to drop dead yet. Okay, really? So that's uh, that is eminently scary. Here's another thing, here's another thing. Anyone so from anywhere in the world can land in the UK with no need for a pre-COVID test. So you're basically taking the lesser rip rationale to heart. Again, because I think they, they tried it the first time round and we've got like 150,000 cases a day. Now they're just gone. Are, are they even counting anymore, Phoebe? Well, everyone's got it now. They are, but, you know, no one's publishing them anymore. Oh, okay. Have you had it, Phoebe? Have you had it? No. You haven't? Okay. I, I have a, I think I may have had it a couple of weeks ago, but oh, I yeah. didn't test positive. Mm, so okay. I just had a really bad headache and, and, and nausea, and I did about three rat tests and they were negative. Okay. But one of my colleagues had exactly the same symptoms and definitely had it. Oh, okay, that's, that's interesting. Because, okay, so what's, happened, what's happening in Australia, Phoebe? Tell us a story. So... Good old Scott Morrison has seen the, you know, case numbers are dropping at the end of summer. Mm -hmm. Yep, as they do. Guess what? That's what happens. So we should just, you know, start to get rid of regulations. We don't need them. What's the Even though New South Wales and Queensland are now saying, hang on a minute, they're, 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 they're going back up again. So, <laughs> yeah, there, there was a peak, and yes, it is lower than what the peak was, mm -hmm. but... To turn around and treat coronavirus like nothing is a little absurd because you wouldn't turn around to somebody who had meningitis and go, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> you wouldn't turn around to somebody who had another infection and go, nah, you'll be fine. But that's what we are in the UK. We've gone, nah, you'll be fine. Which. <laughs> so actually, Peggy, that's really interesting that you say that because there's recently been several cases of Japanese encephalitis yeah, in New South Wales. Wales. You really exactly. don't want that. No, and that's been associated with mosquitoes, which have been exacerbated by the floods. Um, and that's yes. new. That's new in those areas. Mm. They've never had those that particular virus being spread, and a couple of people have died from that, and that's actually come up on the radar for the public health people. That's actually quite scary because yeah. that's, a, that's a significant um, risk in terms of global warming too. If that's gonna that started now, in a few years that may very well be a endemic thing yeah. in Australia. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Phoebe and say there are there are good cases on both sides of the argument. Uh, on on an economic sense, the less restrictions you have, 
uh, the more your economy can uh, can can chug along. In my state of Victoria, um, probably about two or three weeks ago, we basically got rid of mask mandates indoors, um, in shopping centres and all that. So the only places that you need masks are on public transport and it, and in medical facilities. They're the only places you need, and you know there there are now more people returning to the office, uh, cafes and stuff in the city. Uh, one of the one of the barometers that we have for success is how many people are buying coffee in the city and, and buying lunch in the city, and that seems to be uh, one one of the things. And probably the other but thing. Here's that- another thing, but just 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 to cut you off here. How many people have now shifted their working mode from ever bothering to go back to an office ever again because they've gone? Why am I bothering to go into an office when well, I can do this, my job this, of my own home? This may be part of the of the Great Resignation uh, as well. Probably not another topic we're discussing, but I know there have been, um, yeah, like not everyone enjoyed the work from home experiment. Oh, I know, well, but a lot of people did, and a lot of people have thought, <laughs> yeah. "Why I would I bother to go back?" Uh, but yeah, I know in uh, the place I work at, there have been a lot more people, uh, including the general managers. Uh, they, they've decided they like. I met the general managers for the first time this week. It's like, oh, yeah, you're you're that person. But um, yeah, but I think the other thing, the other thought that I have is that the fact that we've gone in two years from absolutely devastating killer virus to something that's akin to the flu or to the cold, and we're not going to worry about it as much as we did. In two years, thanks to things like vaccinations, um, you know, isolating and all, all that kind of stuff, you know, the virus has gone through a few iterations, and we've now got it to the point where it's frankly not quite as deadly as what it was the f- first couple of times around. Well, I, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, Damien, because, yes, it's not quite as deadly as it was in terms of numbers of people getting sick. Mm-hmm. But there's still people dying from it because more people are getting sick. This is this is, this is is the thing is it's like, okay, Omicron in general is not as virulent as yeah. the Delta strain, for instance, but more people are vaccinated, so people are not getting as sick as they were previously. Yep. But there's still quite a number of people who are dying because more people are infected. Okay. But you could also then argue that people would die from the flu or from colds or No, from... they wouldn't though. If you, you balance it up, if you look at the statistics, it's actually the burden of disease and the burden of uh, fatalities is a lot higher than okay. it was for those sorts of things. So a part of the problem is they're not reporting that as much because they're trying to reduce the sensationalism, I think. Okay. Um, and people are just trying to get on with their lives. So I think okay. that's the main perception I get from how it's being reported at the moment. It's like, okay. oh, yeah, this is like, just a background fact now. We've all got COVID. Yeah, okay. um, um, like, I do like the idea of getting getting on with our lives, but I also don't think it should be at human cost. As well. No, but people are still... But this is the point, is there's a lot of people still dying and it's just not being reported as, as, as sensationally as it mm. was two years ago. Yep. If two people died in a state, that was a big deal two years ago. Yep. These days, 14 people are dying a day and it's just not being talked well, about. Well, actually, it is interesting It is interesting you say that. This is a slight, slightly off topic, but overnight uh, in Melbourne, there were, um, I think, three people who died in uh, assaults or something like that. There were mm-hmm. two separate assaults, I think one in the city and one in the northern suburbs, and I think apparently a couple of people died. And that has made front page news, 
Whereas I'm just looking at, I don't know if you can see the screen, um, 11 people died with with COVID overnight. And it's like, it's just a byline on a but byline this is of the my, story. This is my point, is they're downplaying those stats. Mm. So there are more people dying from COVID. Yep. They're just not making a bigger deal of it as they would have two years ago. Yeah, and that's a... Things are taking precedence over the fact that people are just still dying from COVID, yeah, which is and right. and they tend to be part, like they tend to be passing it off a little bit too because it's like oh these people had other conditions oh, they died with COVID not from COVID exactly they yeah. died yeah. COVID you know, was with COVID, them. COVID didn't kill them exactly yeah. which is you know it's a, it's an interesting distinction. Because it's mm-hmm. like which is one COVID of the is so prevalent now. Reporting. Sorry, yes. Which is one of the re- nonsenses of the way that the UK records its numbers. You guys even record? So the UK recorded the numbers of people who died with COVID. Yep. Not but the not numbers of people who COVID. died of COVID. Okay. Yeah. So if you died within 28 days of a positive test. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we're, do, we're doing yeah. we're doing the same thing here too, Phoebe, and that's part of the issue. Is it's like is it with COVID or because of COVID mm. or of COVID? So I think I think there's a lot of downplaying of the seriousness of the pandemic now because people are just basically sick of it. We're like we don't care anymore. Yeah. We don't care if you died of COVID. We just don't want to. We just don't want to know I about. I want my it. coffee and baguette from the yeah. city. Thank but, you very much. But you know, where you said about the economic thing was interesting because um, there's been a bit of an outcry in Tassie, especially because basically we were better off when our borders were closed. Mm, okay. In we yeah. were economically, we were better off because anyone within Tassie before the borders reopened, we mm-hmm. could move around freely. We didn't oh. have to wear masks. We could go anywhere we wanted. Okay. We were going to festivals. We were going to markets. We were doing all that sort of thing. And yeah, economically, for small businesses, yeah. it was actually better than when the borders opened and everyone started having to wear masks and, uh, okay. and that sort of thing. Um, and then suddenly, of course, they're getting COVID and they're having to shut down because all their staff is sick. So we actually had a lot of local businesses were like, we cannot actually operate now because our staff are all off sick with COVID. So we we can't operate. So sorry, mm, yeah, yeah. our doors are closed. So up until that point they were actually doing quite well because the local businesses were being were being visited by local people mm-hmm. and so as soon as the businesses opened internationally well nationally to yep. the borders and people started coming into tasmania willy-nilly they were getting COVID and they had to shut down so it was actually a, a contraindication to eco- the, their economic health. Okay, that is uh, that is very interesting. This is uh, what you learn by talking to people uh, yeah. who don't live around the corner from you. Exactly. Um, and it might have been different on the mainland. It might have been different yeah. where you are in, in Melbourne and places yep. like Sydney because you had more of a spread. But in Tassie, yes. we're pretty insular here. So we depend Surprise. on mm-hmm. business from the mainland primarily. And... If we're not getting that, it's just local. So up until then, 
it was nice. It was like this, we could all just go to our maybe, local maybe. restaurants and do what we wanted and we didn't have to worry about wearing masks and stuff. Maybe Peter and Gutman will do a McGowan and just say, well, pull, pull, yeah, the, pull the curtains up. But that's the thing. There was a, But there was an ethos locally too that we were patronising our local businesses okay. more Good. than we would have normally because we knew they weren't getting tourists. So they actually had um, a scheme where we were actually getting cheaper rates if you holidayed in the state. <laughs> Jeez, okay, that's. This is the thing we were getting vouchers and things like that. There was a Whoa. lottery for vouchers, so you get oh, like yes. three hundred dollars towards yep. using your voucher in your local in yep, the yep. state. No, that's cool. Um, and of course, as soon as the the borders opened, that all stopped, and so people were like, "Well, I'm not going anywhere because I'm going to get COVID." Great, great. Anyway, I plan to wrap up, wrap up in a couple of minutes' time. Does anyone have any? I've got one more talking point. <laughs> but do you, there was one do thing you... I did want to. There was one thing I did want to say oh, on yes. this topic. Yes. There does have to be an element, though, where we move from pandemic to endemic. Mm-hmm. We do have to move away from that. But it's how we move away from that. You can't just turn around and start saying, we need to make the restrictions political and this and that's the wrong way to do it. What you need to do is you need to have medical professionals say, okay, these restrictions are working, these restrictions aren't working, we need to treat these cases in the same way that we treat the flu. Because if you've got the flu, Uh you don't go to work. But what's being said here is in the UK, well, you've got COVID, go to work. Just be fine. Please go to work. Madness. See, that's, that's an interesting point, Phoebe. One of my colleagues at work said to me the other day that a few years ago, if one of us had had a cold or a flu or something like that, we would have just gone to work and infected everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just wouldn't have been thought about. You know, and we're all nurses. So it's like, well, you know, you just, you can't you just exactly go to spread. work and infect all the rest of everybody and everyone would get sick and then everyone just keep going to work. Mm, indeed. Anyway, I'll, uh, one last talking point uh, I'll, I'll bring up. Helen Dalton from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party in New South Wales oh, has, has resigned because she turned up to a parliamentary meeting and nobody turned up. Oh. New South Wales member for the seat of Murray, Helen Dalton, had resigned from the SF uh, the SFMP party after her upper par- upper house party colleagues did not show up for a crucial vote. I've always said I put my electorate ahead of my party, Ms. Dalton said, announcing her resignation on Thursday night and her intention to remain on the lower house crossbench as an independent. Uh, last week, Upper House SFF Party mem- MPs did not show up for a crucial vote on floodplain harvesting. She says that meant dodgy National Party law changes that allowed for excessive water take in the Northern Basin past Parliament. And so she's packed up her packed up her toys and and left. Okay, fair enough. So just a bit well, of a... Well, there you go. Disarray in the SFFP. Indeed. So we, we we cover all sorts here. We'll cover United Australia. We'll cover Labor. We'll cover the Shooters, Fishers, and Farmers Party. And uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. It raises the point for me is this this idea of party loyalty. You know. So years the party ago, makes when you, I was, the party breaks you. Well, yeah. So years ago, when I became a member of the Labor Party. 
the idea was that you were a member of the Labor Party for life. Mm -hmm. And we were really shocked when people like Cheryl Kernow, for instance, defected oh, yes. from the Democrats and became a Labor Party member. You mm -hmm. know, that was a massive thing it back was. then. And then it just seems now that people just walk across the floor and just join an opposition party or join a completely disconnected mm. party I, like I United I Australia or whatever. Indeed. I, I think the old saying was, if you want loyalty in Canberra, get a dog. Pretty well, yeah, pretty much. That's, uh, that, you know who the that most loyal politician I've ever encountered was? Well, a fictional it, it, politician it, called Cleaver Green was the most loyal politician you'll ever get. Well, he was only loyal to himself, baby. There you go. That's why, because he was—he had no affiliations, no nothing. He was loyal to himself and his parliamentary assistant, and that was absolutely. It. I would cleave to the Cleaver Green party. Okay. Too. And in, in in the words of uh, Jack Lang, I think he was the thirty-fourth Premier of New South Wales. Uh, always back the horse called self-interest because it's absolutely. the only one trying. Have, having said all that, can I close on a positive note? You may indeed, you may indeed. Right. Have the last word, Clancy. So tomorrow is Labor Day. Yay! Where we celebrate the fact we can work by taking a day off. Absolutely. The fact that we are taking a day off to celebrate the eight-hour day. I think that's a pretty awesome thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree. Um, I, uh, it's yes. The only, it's the only public holiday I actively support. Well, there you go. So Christmas, Christmas and Easter are off the calendar for you. Anzac Day is off the Parker, calendar for I'm you. Queen's birthday is off the calendar for you. The Melbourne Cup's off the calendar for you. But... Yep, I'm sorry. Labor Day is the only public holiday I actively support. So go Labor Day. Fair enough. Woohoo! Yes, I'll uh, say go Labor Day. Phoebe or Chloe, whichever one you are. Any last words? Who the bloody hell's Chloe? Uh, someone. It's like Phoebe I and Clancy mixed Chloe. together. Chloe. <laughs> That's it. It's it's classy and baby mixed together. There you go. All right. Well, in that case, uh, in the absence Does of that any, that make you fancy. That, well, oh, I've been called that before. Fancy Clancy. I did. I did. I did actually have a, a schoolmate when I was at um, high school called Dancy, and everyone used to call me Dancy Clancy until she came along and they couldn't anymore. Oh no! Oh no! But anyway, until until next time. Um, do we want to save the Governor General? Oh, I'm, no, I'm gonna... fuck the Governor General. Better oh. than having President Scomo. Will that be on your OnlyFans, Clancy? No, you he, the wouldn't be, he wouldn't be a look like... I want, I want, I want President Julie Gillard. Fair. Oh, well, we'll see how that turns out. Anyway, until next time, goodbye. Bye. Oh, ladies, right, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up my uh, almost 16-year-old daughter from work. So, How did you get her on my home, Jamie? She's not 16 yet. And plus, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm a dad. I was emancipated when I was 16 and I was a latchkey kid from the time I was eight. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very you're, protective you're dad. You're a helicopter parent. I'm, I'm a panda dad. And one day... A, pa I'm a, a panda dad. I'm a panda dad. I've even got the tattoo to show I'm, I'm a panda dad. Oh, I want to see it. Um, I'll, I'll send you both a photo in, in the chat. Anyway, I've got to run. See you, ladies. All right, bye. See you. In history's page, let every state advance Australia fair. In joyful strains, then let us sing, advance Australia.